Hi, I'm Mark. In this episode of Makers and Shakers of Chinese History, I'll share with you the story of one of the most outstanding Shanghainese from the past four centuries, Xu Guangqi. Located in downtown Shanghai, Xu Jiahui is one of the megacity's four major sub-centers, with row upon row of high-rise shopping centers and office buildings. There's a constant flow of people and traffic, and a variety of businesses and historic scenic spots. The name of this popular commercial precinct in Chinese means Xu Family Junction, because the area was once the ancestral home of Xu Guangqi's family. Born in 1562 to a peasant family in Shanghai, Xu Guangqi's road to success is rather uplifting. He passed his first civil service examination at the age of 19 and then obtained his Jinshe degree, the highest level in the civil service examination, in his early 40s, meaning he was finally qualified for higher government positions. In today's terms, Xu Guangqi was your typical slashy, meaning he wore many hats. He was a politician, agricultural scientist, military strategist, writer, astronomer and mathematician. You may wonder how he successfully juggled multiple significant roles and were they interconnected? To answer that, we come to fact number one about Xu Guangqi. He was considered somewhat of an unconventional figure in his time. By the early 17th century, the Ming dynasty was not only economically and militarily weak, but also politically corrupt. Scholarly officials were generally dispirited. They sought escape by superficially engaging in mainstream philosophies such as Buddhism, Taoism or the philosophy of the mind, instead of putting what they learned into concrete solutions. Those who were concerned about the national fate became restless. Some formed partisan groups to advocate needed reforms, while others actively searched for new answers to the old problem of dynastic decline. Xu Guangqi was in the latter group. He had an aversion to empty talk and an affection for practical problem-solving. He was one of those endeavouring to put what he knew into ways to make the Ming Empire great again. Increasingly, he realised the limitations of poetry and calligraphy, as well as exam-oriented essay writing, which had all successfully launched him into imperial bureaucracy. In his forties then, he began to devote himself to studying subjects of pragmatic use, such as astronomy, military tactics, agriculture and hydraulic engineering. Repeatedly, he suggested to the emperor that the country needed a new system of selecting talent to replace the existing one based on rote learning. The second fact you need to know about Xu Guangqi is that he was China's most famous Catholic convert. While working as a grassroots official in southern and eastern China, he encountered fascinating new gadgets such as alarm clocks, prisms, oil paintings and a map of the world. These innovative technological devices, together with scientific theories in European geography, astronomy and mathematics, were brought to China by Western Jesuit missionaries as a new strategy to capture the interest of educated Chinese. 
Previously, when presenting Catholicism in China, Jesuit missionaries had wanted people to think that they were bringing a new form of Buddhism doctrine. They dressed like Buddhist monks and shaved their heads, but it didn't work. Instead, they began to set their sights on the class of Chinese literati who were able to relate to the Jesuit missionaries more easily. This is how Xu Guangqi came to know and study with the Italian missionary Matteo Ricci. History experts believe a map of the world created by Ricci and presented to the Chinese emperor probably enhanced Xu's interest in meeting the missionary. Measuring 1.52 meters high and 3.66 meters wide, the map put China, the Middle Kingdom, at the center of the world. It was the first map in Chinese to portray both North and South America, as well as the Pacific Ocean, with reasonable accuracy. China was linked to India and the Middle East. Europe, the Mediterranean and Africa were also well delineated. This huge map not only marked the first time that new geographical discoveries were presented to the Chinese people, but also showed that China is just a part of the world and that beliefs in the spherical heavens and flat earth were incorrect. For the first time, Chinese people got to know that the earth is spherical. Ricci's world map was truly astonishing for Xu Guangqi, and it completely changed the direction of his life. In 1603, Xu was baptized Paul, and he became more determined to take up the path of science. It was a path that would bolster China and connect it to the rest of the world. Xu also found that believing in the existence of a personal Christian God allowed him peace of mind while he was searching for the meaning of life and death. After his conversion, Xu Guangqi successfully proselytized all his family by kinship and affinity, an act that was fundamental to the development of Jesuit missionary work in Shanghai. His social relationships with pupils, friends and officials also significantly facilitated the proliferation of Catholicism in the city. Xu became one of the three pillars of the Catholic religion in China in the 17th century. If you think that Xu said goodbye to everything that belonged to his past after his conversion, then you'd be mistaken. Fact number three is that he believed that Christianity, preached by the Western missionaries, was not contrary to Confucianism, but rather added that which was missing. Being a Catholic convert did not mean he couldn't continue performing traditional Confucian civic rites. According to Xu, Catholicism and Confucianism were complementary. What he aspired to promote was not religion, but science. He believed that scientific thinking would shake old beliefs, and his ultimate goal was to promote Chinese civilization. He just chose a different path than conservatives who boycotted anything Western. Xu Guangqi said, If you want to be superior, you must be able to communicate. Before you can communicate, you must translate. The final fact I want to share with you is something that made Xu Guangqi particularly proud. In collaboration with Ricci, they translated several classic Western texts into Chinese, as well as several Chinese Confucian texts into Latin. Their work included translating the first six chapters of Euclid's Elements into Chinese, thereby introducing Euclid's geometry to the country. 
with its strict logic system and methodology of reasoning, their translation created Chinese words for geometry and geometrical terms such as point, line, parallel line, triangle and square that are still used today. These terms have also spread to Japan, South Korea and other countries. Under Xu's direction, the Jesuits and their Chinese co-workers translated Western books on astronomy into Chinese, designed new astronomical instruments, calculated the movements of celestial bodies, and produced a new system for the Chinese lunar calendar that was in official use from the mid-17th century to the early years of the 20th century. Unofficially, this calendar is still referred to today when Chinese people across the world celebrate the annual Lunar New Year's Day. Xu also experimented with Western-style irrigation methods and the cultivation of sweet potatoes and cotton. He promoted the use of wet rice in the northeast of China and wrote China's first agricultural encyclopedia called The Complete Treatise on Agriculture, or Nanjiang Shan Shu in Chinese. Furthermore, he encouraged the Ming Emperor to adopt Western armaments against the Manchu in the north, a strategy which was effective until the Manchu learned European iron smelting technology and acquired Western arms themselves. Xu Guangqi died at the age of 71 in Shanghai in 1633, 11 years before the Ming Empire was defeated by the Manchu. His tomb still exists in Shanghai in Guangqi Park, just a short walk from the Xu Jiahui Cathedral in the Xu Jiahui area, which is a testament to one of the most outstanding Shanghainese from the past 400 years. Special thanks go to Sanliang Zhongdu for contributing to the content of this podcast. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen. I'm Mark, and I'll see you soon for the next episode of Makers and Shakers of Chinese History. Thank you.